Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The Edge of Democracy is a cautionary tale for these times of democracy in crisis. The personal and political fused to explore one of the most dramatic periods in Brazilian history, combining unprecedented access to leaders past and present, including Presidents Dilma Rousseff and Lula da Silva, with accounts of her own family complex history. Filmmaker Petra Costa, also known for the film Elena, witnesses the rise and fall and the, the tragic polarization of a nation that remains. And again, the film is called The Edge of Democracy, and we're joined today by the director of the film, a wonderful documentary, Petra Costa. Petra, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. In the film, there's a personal and political history, your own personal history, not only your family's, but your 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 birth came about the time that Brazil established itself as a democracy. Let's talk a little bit about your beginnings and a little bit about the history of Brazil, why it has taken as long as it has for it to have anything close to a functioning democracy. So Brazil in the 50s had a democracy, 50s, 60s, that was actually working reasonably well. So during the Cold War, we had a progressive president that was trying to do land distribution and also tax the rich, and that was not really well received by the country's elites, neither by the United States, which backed the military coup in Brazil that happened in 1964. And that military dictatorship lasted for decades, and my parents were basically dedicating their lives to fight against it and trying to reestablish democracy in Brazil. And finally, that won, and democracy started to begin again. And it was more or less at the time where I was born. So I was born with the sense that democracy was my birthright and that we would evolve and mature together. And in 2016, it was really a surprise when I went to the streets to film street protests against the current government at the time and saw for the first time people asking for the return of the military and was quite shocked by that. The big question in the film, why are people essentially predisposed to want to return to a time when it was so repressive? And we'll get into that question, but what was your visceral reaction when you saw these people on the street who seemed to welcome a return to a pretty brutal past. I was shocked. I was really scared. Um, I mean, we grow up reading books about um, authoritarian times, not just in Brazil, but in the world. And I thought that we were over those times. I mean, and even when the Arab Spring happened in Egypt, I was very happy and thought, like, finally, they're having what we had, which is a return to democracy. And to see that that actually history is not necessarily progressing was was really sad and and I what I per- perceived at that moment is that I had taken democracy for granted and that while I was taking democracy for granted and many people were other things were happening in subterranean levels which 
I think has to do with many, many things. But one is the, t- the t- deterioration of our democratic institutions by political parties that start not to respect each other and do uh, resort to to like warfare inside the political spectrum where you be it with an impeachment without clear legal causes be it uh boycotting the vict- the victory uh electoral victory of a candidate that you are against uh those things happened in Brazil and um also we Lula and Dilma did not do a very good job in actually educating people about what the military dictatorship actually was. Brazil decided after the end of the dictatorship to forget the crimes committed by the dictators. No no generals were ever tried for their crimes of torture mm-hmm. and killing. There are still 300 streets in the city of Sao Paulo alone where I live that are named under uh, after military men that killed and tortured. So when things start, when the economic crisis began and things started to be a bit chaotic, people felt comfortable in actually remembering those times as a time of peace and and um, stability for them. Yeah. And that narrative grew, and no one really uh, acted against that narrative to a degree that when the impeachment was being voted, one uh, congressman actually voted in homage to the torture of Dilma Rousseff. He later became the president of Brazil. (laughs) Right, and what you're talking about, and I want to talk about Lula da Silva and uh, Dilma Rousseff, we'll get to them, but what you're talking about is something that I feel, as someone who has grown up in a democracy, some a functioning democracy, and that is that there's a certain inevitability to the maintenance and the, 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 the health of a, of a democracy because we vote every couple of years. We vote often in this country, in our country, here in the U.S. There are, we have all the trappings and we have the parades and we have all the things. So democracy feels very comfortable and secure here. But watching your film and watching the current situation here in the United States and having just recently seen The Silence of Others, all these different documentaries, I know Patricio Guzman's um, Battle of Chile, and all of these things start to pile up, and and there isn't anything certain. There isn't an inevitability to a democracy, to a functioning democracy. Exactly. And, And that comes across very powerfully in the edge of democracy. This is a film for anyone listening to the sound of our voices here. Do not think it's about Brazil only. It isn't. And um, this is a very important film for a lot of reasons. And I want to explore some of those. But let's take a half a step back and talk about the ascension of Lula da Silva and his protege Dilma Rousseff in terms of coming out of the, the burgeoning uh, electorate that embraced democracy, where Lula came from as a as a worker, as a work workers leader. Let's talk a little bit about him. Yes. So towards the end of the military dictatorship, um, the country had not had protests for decades, and the first protests that had like massive turnout were union protests for asking for just rise and and their pay. And Lula was the union leader leading these protests. And 
they were massive and they were a big blow to the military. Um, and Lula established himself as one of the most popular leaders in Brazil at that time and soon started a party which was called the Workers' Party. And as soon as we had our first presidential election, he ran for office, though he was called um, by the elite as a crazy radical from the left and uh, a threat to the country's stability. Um, in that election, they tried to frame him and even um, perfor- like performed as if his party had kidnapped a famous business owner and like fictional pieces to really um, destroy his his legitimacy as a candidate, and he lost. And he kept losing in the next three attempts until in the fourth attempt, he decided to compromise and really made a deal with the elite, saying that he would not threaten their interests in any way. And and he won, and, and that was in 2002. And to the elite surprised the country grew economically more than ever. Uh, Brazil went from 13th to 7th largest economy in the world. It, four million, 40 million people rose out of poverty, uh, entered the middle class, to, and and the country was elected to host both the World Cup, Cup and the Olympics. And it felt like Brazil had finally arrived at its potential. Um, it, he left office with 82 3% approval rate, one of the highest any politician ever had. And he managed to elect his successor, our first female president, Dilma Rousseff. And everything seemed to be going quite well until in 2013, street protests uh, exploded for just a 20 cent rise in the bus fare. A very minor reason, but they, it grew, it grew, it grew. And in, by the end of these protests, they had shifted into um, something that was also somewhat against the government, but not for any clear reason. But Dilma's popularity went from 70 to 30 percent that month. She was re-elected in 2014, but it was the most competitive election in the history of Brazil, and her opponent did not recognize her victory. The day after her election, he started asking for impeachment. Right. Uh, in some ways, I think it could be what ha- would have happened to Hillary had she been elected yes. here in the United States. Without a doubt. Uh, the, uh, Donald Trump said so in the lead-up to the election. He said if, exactly. he wasn't, if he wasn't elected, he wasn't going to recognize the results as legitimate. Exactly. Yes, and, and, and that can be like an atomic bomb in democracy when the opponent party does not recognize the victory. Um, I think it's one of the greatest blows that a a democracy can have because uh, you start to erode people's beliefs in the democratic process. And and then it went as far in Brazil as to actually take on an impeachment against Dilma that was portrayed by many as an impeachment against uh, corruption, but Actually, there were no allegations about that against Dilma. The allegations were that she had done budget maneuvering, like fiscal makeup, something presidents had done before in Brazil and had never been impeached for. And the fact that they managed to establish a majority in Congress was enough to impeach her. 
And when I was interviewing people in the streets, people who didn't even like Dilma, they were like, I didn't even vote for her, but the fact that she was impeached just feels like voting does not matter anymore. I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with the uh, director of a new documentary that's coming out here in Los Angeles on June 19th. It'll be at the Lemley Monica Film Center, as well as debuting on Netflix. The film is called The The Edge of Democracy, and we're talking with the director, Petra Costa. And all of the things you're saying, and this is just, I mean, it should frighten anyone who's listening to this. All of these things sound eerily familiar. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Let's, let's, I want to talk about your how this film was made. Obviously, y- your family has history advocating for democracy in Brazil. Your grandparents, you have a, a rich and long history of that. In this film, you put yourself in the middle of this. This is a kind of a POV documentary. You narrate it. You're in, you, you had access to uh, Lula and um, Rousseff, and you spend a lot of time in very intimate moments with them talking very openly and freely and it's a remarkable part of the film and it's remarkable that you put yourself in the film the way that you did are you you yes and are you at all concerned when you go back to brazil about your safety given that your mother was tortured people you know were tortured back in the day when the generals were in charge and are are you concerned about that at all well, I try not to think about that. I hope that um, I think Brazil is a, is a country where people feel unsafe. Many people feel unsafe. There's one of the highest homicide rates uh, in the world. 60,000 people are killed each year, but mostly black, poor people. And I feel concerned for them, especially when recently we have passed new gun regulation laws that have made it easier for anyone to buy a gun. And and I I fear for them more than anything. It's yeah. a very unequal country, um, and I, I feel privileged and and so I'm not the target. <laughs> right. I, I probably put that the wrong way. I did torture it as a sort of an extreme, mm-hmm. but I but for your safety, I guess is really what I was trying yeah. to ask you about. Yeah, I I really hope. I mean, what what concerns me most is the level of polarization that the country has reached where families are not talking to each other and there's um, trolls and trolls and armies of trolls and social media that are just uh, willing to attack anyone with a different political view. And I hope that the film can spark conversations around the fundamental values of democracy, which is most important uh, first step is to bridge that polarization for people to start talking about what do we agree with? Can we agree that, with, that democracy is the best way forward? If so, can we have, again, uh, mutual respect for that to happen? Right. So I hope some, the film can inspire some, that. Some very basic values. Some basic yeah. that look at each other as human beings and, and have an honest and open uh, conversation. Has The Edge of Democracy been screened in Brazil? Not yet. The film will premiere there on the June nineteenth. Not just in Brazil, but in one hundred and ninety countries. On Netflix. Simultaneously. On Netflix. On Netflix. So that's the first time anyone, a significant amount of people in in Brazil, will have the opportunity to see the film. Exactly. 
Do you have any idea what the reaction is going to be? Because this is a, you lay it bare. You're, you're, you're talking about the leadership. And there have been some developments even this week about mm-hmm. the leadership in Brazil, about the president, the, the Supreme Court, the involvement, the sort of conspiratorial uh, threads that run through the, uh, the, the uh, um, toppling of uh, Rousseff and what happened to uh, uh, Lula. Are, are those, do you think, what are, how do you think all those things are going to play out, especially with the film screening? Well, first we had a great response to our trailer that, was and was released last week. A uh, very positive response from people all over Brazil. It really viralized, and so there's a lot of curiosity around the film, and it has become more and more prescient and relevant uh, given the new re- revelations that came out through Glenn Greenwald from The Intercept. Yeah. Uh, that really um, resonate what is already in the film, which is the fact that it's quite discomforting that a vice, uh, an ex-president could be tried and imprisoned without a fair trial. Well, and there are recordings in your film. There are, there are there's, in my opinion, I mean, I don't know all the, on the ground what people know, but it feels like you broke news in this film with some of the material that's in it. Well, I, I really, truly, um, I'm humbled by the opportunity to talk with you about this film because it feels like it is really an important document for people to understand, to see and to understand the implications, not only for your beloved Brazil, but also it could not be more prescient for here, for people here in the United States as well. So Thank, thank you. Yes, I do feel privileged to be able to be telling a, a story that is not, not just about Brazil, but feels so much like a fable of our times. Yes. Yes, look around the world. Hungary, Poland, there are um, in, in of the Philippines. There are places in the world that have had uh, a nascent demo- democratic system, only to see how fragile it can be and how fra- how little it can take uh, to to begin to undermine it. And uh, we're seeing it in Europe, throughout Europe, and we're seeing it around the world. And we need to step up. And your film is certainly an example of someone, not only yourself, but your family and others who are stepping up. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm so honored to have you on the show. To, and thank you so much for your work here. Thank you so much. It was, it was a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> thank you. We've been talking with the director of the new film, The, the Edge of Democracy, Petra Costa. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.